You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. Hello. Hey, I'm back. How's it going, everybody? Sorry for the delay on this one. My internet provider decided that I didn't need internet anymore for launch day of this podcast, apparently, which is uh, obviously a little bit frustrating, but it's here now, so here you go. And before we get too far into it, I wanted to mention Sinusoid, Sinusoid Custom Instrument Cables. So whatever you need, those guys got you. You need some fresh, like, pancake cables? They can make that for you, like for your pedal board. Do you need some new instrument leads? Do you need speaker cables? They got the Sasquatch, the most massive, huge, and beefy speaker cable on the market. And best of all, they come with a 100-year warranty. And so if anything should ever go wrong within 100 years, you will be covered. So, you know, until we get some uh, alien technology, I think you're going to be you're going to be dialed with that. So make sure you go to sinusoid.com and check them out. And I also have to tell you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Based out of Bend, Oregon, making custom wiring harnesses for your guitars. Um, And when I say custom, I mean custom. So they got, you know, standard traditional 50s wiring or modern wiring or whatever. That's all available. But Sean's getting crazy. He was talking about adding all kinds of stuff that I didn't even know was a thing into guitar wiring circuits. So if you need a custom job, he's the, he's the man for the job. He's he's always learning and figuring out new things he can do with the wiring to squeeze even more tone out of some of your favorite instruments. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com, check out everything that he has to offer, and treat yourself. One last thing before we get into the episode, I want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to all of you who have been using ToneMob.com slash Reverb for all of your Reverb.com activity. So if you haven't heard of that before, if you click through that link, ToneMob.com slash Reverb, the link's in the show notes, you will just do all your normal Reverb.com shopping. So, or buying, selling, anything you do on there. Uh, if you do it through that link, it helps keep the show going. And um, a lot of you have been really responsive to to that, and I uh, I thank you very much for that, and if we keep going at the rate that it has been going, we'll have covered all the server costs and hosting stuff and domain name stuff and all that for the year here in the next month or so, and so 
huge thank you to everyone who's done that. And if for some reason you've never heard of Reverb.com before, why did I say it like that? Reverb.com, like it was a weird thing. Anyway, if you've never heard of Reverb.com before, if you just simply go there through ToneMob.com slash Reverb and sign up, you uh, actually help out the show as well. So if you check out that link, again, huge thank you to everyone who's done that. And uh, yeah, it's still still up and running, still cooking. So without further ado, we'll get on with the show. Actually, I just lied to you. I know I said that was the last thing, but there's one more thing. You'll hear in the early part of this episode, there's some uh, foot taps uh, is what it is. It's probably hard to figure out what it is, but it's a it's foot tapping from uh, from John. He This is his first podcast, so a lot of people get a little little anxious at first, but he, he settled right on in and everything was groovy uh, after the first couple minutes. So if you're hearing that, no, you're not going crazy. There is a little something, and I took out what I could in post, but it was a little bit too much to chop up his voice and make it sound all dumb. So that's what you're hearing. You're not going crazy, and it, it gets it, they go away pretty soon. So here you go. Now on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have John Sanchez from Warehouse Guitar Speakers and All Pedal. What's going on, man? Hey, Blake. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, dude. Good to... uh, It's always nice to find a fellow Portland gear junkie slash business guy yeah. <laughs> we well there's sh- no shortage of us around here we can I share well, i mean yeah i find more and more all the time right <laughs> it's nice though to be we can share our woes and frustrations and, yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> and also the glory yeah absolutely absolutely totally. um yeah well let's get into it you know let's tell people who you are uh you know kind of you've got a a decent backstory you can start with yeah you're you know what made you start picking up the guitar and and then how did it slide into where you are today? Yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess we all, you know, you grow up listening to to the radio and, and you know, I was part of the MTV generation when, when that came on. You, you see these performers and you hear the music and there's just a, a response to that that's that's really exciting and, and, you know, undeniable and you just get drawn to it. And so um, in my teen years, I finally decided to to start playing guitar um after i started when i was 16 years old and yeah it uh, it was 23 when i started working in at a local music store okay and um from there i was i was there for about six years uh moved down to new york city worked at manny's for about a year oh nice um and worked then from there worked at the distributor for uh Celestian and uh in uh Farmingdale Long Island. I was there again for about 6 years. Uh they lost the contract then um Celestian uh made me an offer to come on as a direct employee but I had to move to Jersey so I lived in Jersey for 5 years. Um we parted ways a couple of years ago and now I work for uh been with WGS and and all pedal ever since. Oh, nice. Nice yeah. then. Yeah. Nice. So you when you say the uh, part of the MTV generation, who were some of your big kind of inspirations? Well, so initially, you know, you see 
you know, Eddie Van Halen was just, it was just so, it's such a, just over the top uh, uh, visual. You know, you see this, this this rock band and all this energy and mm-hmm. all these, these amazing riffs coming out of, uh, coming out of that guitar. And, um, you know, there's some other, there, it was very confusing as a, as a young man seeing these grown men wearing mascara and fishnets <laughs> and, and, but still trying to, you know, act like they're super masculine. It was very bizarre. Yeah, it's always been very confusing. It was right? very confusing. So um, while I like uh, some of those riffs, you know, it was really you know Eddie Van Halen and, and some of the classic Led Zeppelin, AC/DC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but even you know Robert Cray, um, John Lee Hooker, uh, which is you know wasn't really part of the MTV generation, but just in terms of in- inspiring guitar players that, yeah. that that drew me to the instrument. Right. You remember what the first guitar you had was? So the first guitar I had was there was a, a store um, at this place, at this whole dilapidated shopping center, Dutch's Mall, uh, called Service Merchandise. And they had this real shoddy harmony. Mm-hmm. And it was just terrible. <laughs> Barely was holding <laughs> together. So I had that. But I, that, I was about 11 or 12 when I got that. And it was just such a <laughs> difficult instrument to play. Is constantly going out of tune. It's just really frustrating. Um, so I, that didn't last long. Um, and the next, it was a Yamaha Pacifica. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Hot pink. I still got it. Yes. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Have you made any mods to it? Is it still stuck? No, it's got a, it's got a Duncan Invader in the bridge. Um, I forgot what, what's in the what's in the neck position, but it, it weighs like two pounds. It's really, but it's got, you know, locking, weird... Primitive locking tuners and really fast neck, but it weighs you know nothing. It's really strange. I'd love to see that thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll bring it. That sounds time. so fun. <laughs> Such a good time. Um, so you started working at. I might have, may have got this twisted in my head. You started working at Manny's. Was that your first place? No, no. Alto Music. Alto, in, uh, okay. In New York. Cool, cool. Upstate I, New York. I I've always had this weird kind of itch that. I don't have, I don't want to do it for a long time, but I want to work in a guitar store for a little bit just because it's like one side of the industry that I am so, I only, I only know as a consumer. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? I would kind of like to see, and like all the guys that work in retail have for a long time, like all the ones that I know have the craziest stories, usually about customers. Like this guy from Dubai came in and (laughs) bought, you know, a $4 billion guitar or something. Um, I, they always have these crazy stories. And I was like, I'd like to work in a music store for like six months and just see. I know that there's not very many music stores that want an employee for only six yeah. months. <laughs> well, I mean, there is high turnover. You know, guys just want to get in there sometimes and, and get a store discount. They got gear to get. Or it's, it's Manny's was difficult. They paid on a draw. So oh. I, I forgot what my weekly paycheck was, but it was less than $250. Really? And after four weeks, all of your sales are totaled and whatever you, you know, I forgot what the number was, but you, you, you get your, a commission above a certain number. And if you don't hit that number, you don't get a commission. Oh, man. And in New York City. That's rough. And they had it. They knew exactly what they were doing. So there was, you know, anywhere from two to four other guys on the sales floor at any given time. So you got all these guys out there trying to get a sale, trying to eat, and you know it can be really. You have to be on your toes and looking for a customer all the time. That seems rough, and it it also seems rough as a 
that seems like a good, a very old school kind of mentality that like, I feel like that model almost needs to die because customers don't like those kind of experiences anymore. Exactly. So I, I forgot which shop it was. There, was there but somebody told me about a, a shop in California where the the commissions are shared, and the benefit of that is that de- each department works as a team. So right. it's it's everybody wants to make sure everyone's being helped. They're getting the, the, the customer service they need, and they're closing sales because everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, there, if there's someone that isn't pulling their weight, they're they're gone. Yeah, you know. But th- when when I worked at Manny's, it was uh, it, it was owned by Sam Ash. I forgot when they when they bought the. Oh, I didn't realize the that. Goldrich family. Manny Goldrich, the family owned the building, I believe, but Sam Ash bought the the Manny's brand. Gotcha. So that's that. Do they still they, own it? No, that whole I believe that whole block is gone. It is. Yeah, Rudy's everything is gone. Yeah. Oh wow. And I think it's the Rockefeller Group, is which is a you know a mm-hmm. state development group. They've been trying to get in there for quite some time, and they finally did. Yeah, it seems like when I went to New York here, it there was a lot of the uh, there was I can't remember what the other really famous shop I I did go to, and they were closing. Um, man, I can't remember the name of it, and I feel like an idiot. It wasn't Rudy's. I don't think it was Rudy's. This was just a couple of years ago. Uh, well, last, was, yeah, two years ago um, is when I went there. Because he, yeah, he had he had a, a spot kind of diagonal across from Manny's. Okay. And he, uh, several years ago, he got another location somewhere in Soho. Okay. Because he, I it might have he been Rudy's. Knew. But whatever it was, it was closing. And I just, but it was the first time I seen an original D'Angelico. And like, oh wow, yeah, and that so, could have been Rudy's. He uh, definitely has the real deal. It might stuff. have been Rudy's. I, I, I have to go back in my Instagram. Forty Eighth Street. Was it for? It might have been Forty Eighth. I went to Forty Eighth Street, but yeah. I can't that's remember. If that's Music Row. That's where all the shops. Were. Okay, that's that. At 40, I definitely went to Forty Eighth Street. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But okay. one of them I went to was closing, or I couldn't get to it because it was closed. Or sure, I'll have to. I'll have to look in Instagram and find right. it. Okay. It remember, remembers better than I do. <laughs> I, I, I put a post a post up about it. I was like, look at this. This is insane. <laughs> I never thought I would see one what of What was those. the price? Oh, I don't didn't even bother to look. You didn't look, yeah. It's I mean five figures. It's either. probably there again. It's probably on Instagram. Sure. It was crazy, you know, of course. I mean, it's not crazy because there's only so many of them, but right. you know, you and I are not going to be making that purchase no. anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, we're not. No, interesting. <laughs> Sadly, so so when you were working for Celestian, was that sort of a uh, or was it? I mean, it could have happened when you were at the distributor too. Was that sort of a, a crash course in speakers, or did you? No, le- yeah, it learn started at the distributor. I started reconing when I was uh, at the distributor. Okay. Um, so yeah, there there were there was some um, training, but you know, not much. It's, it's a lot of a lot of trial by fire, especially when you're the only you're the only one in that facility doing that. And, you know, the direct selection employees are across the pond or scattered in the U S you know? Right. Um, so that, that place that I worked at, they did lighting, they did uh, pro audio monitors. It wasn't just, oh, okay. it was just one of the, the things that they did. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I need you to educate me on speakers. Cause sure. I honestly, I, you know, I know quite a bit about a, f- a few things in the guitar world, but I don't know hardly anything about speakers. I just know if I plug into a cabin, I think it sounds good. Then, okay. Then we're dialed. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> but like what makes, you know, you know, what kind of give us, give us the overall crash course as, as much as you can in audio form. So I'll, I'll approach it from, 
from a perspective that'll help people kind of qualify their needs as opposed to really getting into the guts and anatomy of, of a speaker. Okay. I mean, there'll, there'll be some of that, but but it, 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 hopefully this will help people understand the when they're looking at the specs of a, a build a speaker and and how that they can apply that to their rig and, and if that's going to help remedy right. what they're looking for. So um, basically there's there's uh you know three different magnet materials um being used in in electric guitar speakers so you have the traditional ceramic or or ferrite mm-hmm. um and usually with 12 inch speakers those are used in uh two sizes an m and an h and m is you know medium 35 ounce magnet and the h is the heavy 48 or 50 ounce magnet okay um some of the eminent stuff is a little bit heavier um and uh alnico which you know is is Highly regarded as as one of the more musical materials for um for electric guitar, you know, you know, often uh, uh, often referred to as being bell like and, and chimey in the top end, um, you know, having a really complex mid range, mm-hmm. just a really robust voicing. And the past uh, I don't know, it's fifteen years, um, maybe Neo has come come into the scene for electric guitar, and it's still. It's come it's come a long way, but it is it isn't the most flattering uh, material for for the you know the warm mid range voicing of an electric guitar. It's getting there, but I I still think there's still some development needed. Um, uh, it's very lightweight. It's very powerful, very efficient, really fast. Um, but it's the, the it, it's it's been more flattering for pro audio and. and Bass, um, getting that warm voicing with electric guitar with, with Neo, it's it, it, like I said, it, it's getting there, but still got some more more work to do, I think, but until it can be really compared to um, the the sound and feel of a ceramic driver. In- interesting, interesting. So have you played any 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 Neos? Not that I knew of. Okay, not I wasn't aware that I was playing them. If I was okay, playing them. you would you would. I mean, it, it's a, they're very articulate, very crisp sounding um, speakers, and like I said, super responsive, really fast. Gotcha. So um, there's not much give to those things. No, they're not very forgiving. <laughs> yeah, not very forgiving at all. Which makes sense in bass and uh, pro audio applications. That's yeah, what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, with those frequencies of a bass guitar, it, it helps to really round out what, what Neo's lacking. Um, and, you know, live sound stuff being you know, linear, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's complementing to right. you know, just reproduce what's being fed. Why do you think that there's been a push to use Neo in, in guitar? Is it just to do something different or is it... Uh... Weight the weight relief. So you can okay. very efficiently save, you know, five pounds on a 12-inch um, oh, wow. speaker. So um, it's weight relief. It's, you know, guy, as, as you know, we talked about earlier, we're not seeing 412s nearly as much as we did, you know, 15 years ago even. No. They're, they're, they're going away. Um, people are still using them, but it's... It, PAs have gotten so affordable, and even you know, just tiny little rooms have a little PA you can mic up your Pro Junior and and be heard very easily. Yeah, so, totally. Um, some of these smaller rigs that um, you know, smaller, t- uh, you know, a two ten combo, they can be really heavy. So being able to save five pounds a speaker, take shave ten pounds off, uh, you know, two two twelve cab or two twelve combo, that's that's quite a significant. Bit. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's the big appeal is is if if when a manufacturer is able to bring a Neo driver to market that allows you to save weight without compromising tone, that's really going to be a big deal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Is that a, was that a, a foreshadowing of something that maybe... I think we're all, all 
kind of chasing that a little bit. You okay. know, we are we're, we're absolutely developing Neo right now with our questions. So. Nice, nice. So let, that kind of me brings me to the much discussed like the cone material. You know, there's okay. hemp, hemp cones and sure. other things. So like, I don't know anything about it. Like, and that is often referred to as probably the you know the dark art of the speaker world because you. you Depending on the application, the cone can have anywhere from, you know, like 25 to, you know, 40 some odd ingredients in the cone, depending on the application. Um, So it's not just the mixture of that, that pulp material. It's also how it's cured. If it, if that cone is impressed properly and also cured properly in the right temperature, it's, it's, it's going to be off. It's interesting. Yeah. so, So it's cured on like the frame. No, 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 oh, no, no. I'm just talking about the, the, the oh, cone it, manufacturers themselves. Gotcha. You know, they get the mixture. Gotcha. That has to be right. They press it, and mm-hmm. then that that pressed cone has to be cured in the you know proper temperature and just be left alone. Interesting. <laughs> set right, and if if anything's off in that process, you can you'll be able to measure it in here in in the cone. That's very that's uh, very very interesting. So. Um, we offer, you know, you know, something we don't see that often these days, uh, a smooth cone. Okay. So we have uh, a couple drivers where, you know, and, and you, you can even special order where you have a, you know, a smooth cone like they did in the 50s and 60s. And what that does is if you have a, an overly bright amp and you don't really want to do any circuit mods to it, um, you can put this speaker in and it will really round off some of those highs okay. and, and warm it up a bit and, and, and just make it much more pleasing to play without hurting your ears and is that straight from the material itself or is it actually like the texture of it like i'm i'm you know i'm asking very newbie questions no no, no, please so like with this with a smooth cone is it simply a function of it being smooth that gives it those characteristics or is it it's both it's It's the recipe of the pulp and the fact that it that it's it's smooth interesting so um what else um yeah, so the, I mean, and then also the dust caps. So you'll see. I was, I was about to go there. Yeah, yeah, traditional, you know, smaller dust caps and then wide, flat dust caps. So smaller dust caps, you're going to get more, more top end presence. The wider, flat dust caps can roll off the highs a little bit and polish up that top end a bit. Okay. If you get a driver, if you're a bit, you know, designing a driver and it's a bit, a bit much in the top end, you could put a wide, flat cap on there and, and tame that a bit. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I was I was gonna go there because that's something I never really thought too much about. But we, sure. were, we were looking at this old Sun two by twelve that I have earlier before we were recording, and right. we were like, "Oh, it's got aluminum dust caps." And I was like, "I almost asked you, but now I'm gonna ask you." Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with those. There, there are a lot of uh, uh, like slide players and and some you know really clean high headroom country twang guys that mm-hmm. love the the aluminum dust cap i personally you know i've only played a few amps with them and very briefly mm-hmm. um but you're not you don't see that that much anymore there aren't a lot of guys manufacturers you doing that you know it's it's kind of a kind of a lost uh lost art there yeah yeah well and that's an old yeah like I said late 70s yeah. cab so yeah it's been around for a while i i always thought like you can't see it super well in the cab but when you can i'm like man that looks cool it does kind of look cool yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> um interesting so it's it seems almost uh somewhat akin not exactly but somewhat akin to manufacturing pickups uh in that they're obviously not the same thing but 
it's all about kind of the final recipe of ingredients. Like you know, yeah, the pickups. construction is more or less the same for sure. for all of them, but it's actually the combination of things that or an acoustic result. guitar. Yeah, you know, every every point of that build, the the materials, the thickness of the top, back and sides, the bridge, the bracing, how all how that acoustic instrument is put together, every bit, the the nut, all of that will absolutely affect the tone uh, of that instrument. And the same can be said for, for a speaker. So you have, uh, you have your motor, it's fixed to the basket. You have your voice coil and the voice coils are a variety of different materials. And those different materials come in different thicknesses and you can have different coil windings. All of those variables will absolutely affect the, uh, tone and voicing of of the speaker yeah in a measurable way like not just i think i hear absolutely it's very obvious absolutely without question so um you know there's one thing that that i haven't really been able to discern and you know that's the gasket material so traditionally there's you know either the foam cork or hard paper Mm -hmm. so i haven't really done any um a b tests with a few builds being exactly the same with the exception of the gasket material. Right. Um, and that's one thing where, where I try to convey to some OEMs that want to do some custom and they're getting hung up on certain things like that. It's like, yes, just because it, it is measurable, the difference, it doesn't mean it's audible by the human ear. Right. Right. You, just because you can use your, uh, some sort of test tool to, to measure those differences you're doesn't mean you're going to hear it don't don't hear with your eyes and sometimes these engineers get really caught up in in looking at these data sheets and they think they can hear what they're reading and and depending on the situation yes but a lot of times it's you know they're just going nuts trying to you know make sure they develop you know their development goes in the right direction and they're looking at these data sheets. It's just because it's measurable does not mean it's audible. I mean, yeah, psychoacoustics is a big, yeah, real absolutely. thing. Like, <laughs> I am so, like, I am crazy guilty of it. It's like, I guarantee you, if you took two pedals that were identical circuits, and one was more aesthetically pleasing to me, right, and told me they were different, right, I would be like, yeah, that sounds different. Well, it, it, the, you know, Celestian blackbacks of mm-hmm. this or you know, or the different color backs of the seventies. Perfect example. You still see people in the forums adamant that they are different than the other builds. The only thing that's different is the color of that plastic on the back of the stuff. <laughs> there is no other difference. But people are adamant that they hear that they hear it. <laughs> that it yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, and then and then and then it's like if they hear it, then that's really all there is to it. Yeah, like, right. There's, like, I mean, we're I all guilty it. of being affected by a, some sort of placebo. In one oh, I'm 100% <laughs> guilty of it. One way or another. Yeah, I totally, I am I am not a stranger to that effect at all. And and, and I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, we'd, we all have our preferences. Oh, and absolutely, like, without question. It's like, the red one sounds better. <laughs> Why? Because it's red, you know? Like, I don't, don't tell me it's not. Right. It's color of inspiration, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's a weird thing. I mean, in 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 discussing tone and and gear and all these other type of things that we we do so often, I feel like we do become more aware of it, and and maybe can be a little more objective than the average person, right. maybe. Right. Um, especially like not just like somebody who doesn't. I mean, you know, I've I've said this before. 
guys like you and I are the nerdiest of nerds. Yeah. Like the hyper nerds <laughs> about this particular subject. Sure. Right. Sure. Just, I mean, and most people that go to Nam are too. Right. Like it's a high, like high gathering, like highly concentrated, distilled. Yeah. Like there's it's people flying. Yeah. For, yeah, it is. It's our comic con. <laughs> like I, I like comic con too. But <laughs> like, I'm just a nerd in all ways. But like, there's people literally flying from across the world to come right to be there to participate. Yeah, hang out in twiddle knobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's kind of silly, but I I mean I wouldn't have it any other way. Right, right. But I I think by by being kind of you know so aware and so into it on that level, we we I feel like not just you and me, but in general, sure. most of the people we associate with are kind of aware. I feel like we're paying attention to psychoacoustic things a little bit more than your average Joe. I think so. And I think we can also make fun of ourselves a little bit and kind of call each other out on, on some of this nonsense. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, yeah. it's just when you, you, the pursuit of, of tone and how that is, um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, riding shotgun with you when you're, you're just developing a, as a musician as well and trying to, Make sure you're you're implementing you know the right gear you know for, mm-hmm. for for what you're what you're doing as a musician. It's it's all part of the process. You know what I mean? It's that you. I think people sometimes get a little uh, caught up with trying to be current with with all these new releases and all all the technology. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you said you know working what well, it's like working retail. One thing I learned very quickly is, and, and, I, and I love all this gear. Don't don't get me wrong, but tone is in the bone. Someone told me, <laughs> and it's very true. I have seen guys come in and play just this ratty, cool looking, beat up Squire through, you know, a, a, an average at best amp, and just make awesome music mm-hmm. because that's all you need is a functioning guitar <laughs> mm-hmm. and some talent. And yeah, there you go. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter what peripherals are, are around you. It's true. It's true. I, I have like a, there's some people and, and, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a, a horribly addicted gearhead. Uh, and so I have, I have some pretty clear bias in that. <laughs> but um, like I, I've always, you know, there's, you know, like in forums and things, there'll always be that one guy that'd be like, doesn't matter what you buy. You're never going to sound like X, Y, Z. It's all in his hands. It's totally in his hands. And I'm like, yes, sort of. Kind right. of. <laughs> because, like, I will never will sound exactly like that, but my example I always say is, like, if it was all in the fingers, if it was all in the hands, right. then you could play Cannibal Corpse on ukulele. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I always say. Right. And it's like, because it obviously plays a huge sure. part, sure. you know, in the overall picture. No, you're not going to sound exactly like Jimmy Page, even if you had... All of his stuff, you're not. But you can get close-ish, right? A lot right. closer than you could with the, you know, like a, you know, a classical guitar or sure. so, you know something. Just it, it, just you have to have certain things to get Absolutely. certain results. Absolutely. Um, you don't have to do what I've done though. Yeah. It's not something I advise. <laughs> it's not. It's not a. It's not a good move. Yeah. Um. Just ask my wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it sure is fun, though. It is. But um, we, we've yeah, we've kind of dove into speakers a little bit, and we can definitely come back to that. But um, tell me about all pedal. I know about all pedal, but I don't think very many of my listeners probably do. So 
Oh, so WGS technically started around around twelve years ago. I would say about ten years ago they were they were a fully functioning company. Okay. Um, and short, very shortly after that, all pedals started, and that was part of the motivation was um, David Young and uh, Brian Wampler. Um, they 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 were they had a relationship. They were friends and. Um, I think you know Brian was his his demand was starting to increase and he he was looking for options, so I think that was a, a motivating factor for for David Young to to get to to start all pedal was mm-hmm. to to support the Wampler brand and they did a good they did it for about seven years, um, and and to date he's dealing with you know a, a couple top ten boutique amp. I'm sorry, boutique pedal companies. He mm-hmm. does you know, L pedal does all the KHDK stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they do. It's yeah. I don't think a lot of people have connected those dots that that they they are indeed the same under the same roof, right? Um, and yeah, they do everything. You know, SMT through hole, full powder coat facility, you know, the direct to stoke yeah. spray, graphic printing, all nice. of it. So, yeah, and we'll be coming out with some um, some kits this year it looks like so there'll be like a partial smt build on the board and then you install i think depending on the kit it's anywhere from 15 to 20 components you okay. have to install and you may we're still working out the details but you may have the option of doing an unfinished or a finished um enclosure okay so cool there'll be i think we have two that are that are done where that we're we're getting ready to to build some inventory and i think there maybe there's two more designs being proposed, being developed. So, yeah, those will be those will be coming out hopefully in a couple months. Cool, very cool. That'll yeah. be interesting. I think that yeah, that being able to reduce the parts count a little bit with this. Well, not reduce the parts count, but reduce the parts count that the user has to do. Right. It makes it a little less intimidating. It's still de- yeah, it's deliberately entry level without compromising any boutique tone or anything like that. We we wanted something that that you know there was a. a just about anybody with a soldering iron can can jump in and get involved in and feel like feel satisfied they 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 did a bit of a build and they have something boutique quality to use when they're done. Yeah, you know, so that's really cool. That's yeah. re- that should be really fun. Can we can we talk about what those kits are going to be, or are we still working on them? No, I got one here. It's um, it's a uh, it's a compressor. So the guy that works with us, his name is Justin Simpson really talented um designer he did he worked with wampler um when when all pedal was was building right um, he's one of his lead designers um uh did the ego compressor i believe um but he's he's he used to live in, in washington his family uh, is involved in the uh, the timber industry oh okay but last uh i guess he's been in in paducah for about a year now i think it was last winter uh, David convinced him to come out there, and <laughs> he's been uh, doing all pedal full time, and he's he's pretty much busy nonstop. So it's, we're definitely lucky to have him. So um, compressor is the first one. The next one is is an overdrive that he that he did that sounds phenomenal. Um, and the next one, uh, the other two that are that are on the on the horizon, I think there's a there's a fuzz and potentially some sort of. Um, Modulation. I'm cool. not sure if they're doing a phase or a chorus or whatever, but yeah, something else. Very cool. Very cool. So all pedal is is uh, are they looking to get more brands or are they kind of at capacity? Abs- yeah. No, we're always looking. Um, you know, we always want to we want to grow as well with with the industry. And, mm-hmm. 
we're not just in competition with you know other CMs domestically. We're also competing overseas. Those guys getting stuff done overseas, and some of the work is really good, and so is the pricing. So right. So we're constantly trying to position ourselves where there's value for b- both parties, and and the work is top notch, and we're always looking to to welcome somebody somebody else into the fold. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. That's an that's an interesting you know. It's not, you know, it's not a line that I, you know, I know Brian really well uh, and, and he's, you know, always talked about his days at all pedal with the, you know, fondness, like, you know, he's, you know, like, uh, I don't know him that well, but I think, I still think people, I don't think people realize that they're, they're completely different. They're, they've separated years ago that Wampler is part of, uh, you know, Avi's ETI group Mm -hmm. and has no involvement with all pedal. Yeah. All pedal is its own thing that has no involvement with, with Wampler anymore. Yeah, right. I think and yeah, I think that's something uh that I know on Brian's podcast that he's tried to communicate as well. Just because yeah. there is confusion there. Absolutely. And not that it like makes a big difference. They're both great products sure. from either era, but it's just like uh, you know, people want to know. Like absolutely the hyper nerds wanna know. Absolutely. <laughs> but also if we're you know, I I I I've heard that there's been some apprehension about you know, some of these guys that are ready to, to go to larger, large scale manufacturing, they've, they've been a bit apprehensive coming to all pedal because they feel like their schematic is going to get in, in, right. in a competitor's hands. And it's like, absolutely not. That's not, that's not. You wouldn't be a very good contract. Uh, no, sure. right. Yeah. We wouldn't be around at all. No. If that was the case. So. No, no, that's, I, I do understand some of that fear to, to a degree, but I, I feel like, you know, there's a few other guys in the industry that I've heard the same thing from other builders. Like, oh, I would like to use them, but I'm scared. Uh, I'm scared about them seeing my stuff. And yeah. I'm like, well, well, first of all, at the end of the day, you have an overdrive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can figure out an over, we, you know, like we can figure out an overdrive. Sure. We don't need to rip your overdrive off. Right. Like right. these, they're completely different days than the goop circuit days yeah. that, of, you know, I guess there are still some people doing that, but it's really silly and, my opinion um but i i don't feel like if you go with a reputable source i mean yeah if i went with somebody in china i'd be super nervous about them ripping it off because they classically do oh look at uh, ehx yeah exactly classic case well and more is like even i was surprised that it was more because while they've built their whole brand on clones for the most part lately they've been trying to slide into more advanced things yeah like the devon townsend yeah yeah. Preamp live. Yeah, and so I really thought, oh, maybe they're gonna, because you know what, I, I, the the uh, correlation I was drawing between them was like, well, you know, Ibanez, that's all they did in the early days was clone guitars too. Yeah. And now now they're their own legit, you know, innovative company. Sure. Um. So like, I was hoping that Moore was kind of taking that same path. Like, yeah, they started out as somebody I really wasn't interested in supporting, right. and uh, uh but maybe they're going to turn a corner and start making their own thing. Sure. Paving their own way. And then I seen that. And for people who don't know what we're talking about, I guess we didn't explain. Uh, if you hadn't uh, read on the forums, uh, Electroharmonics found that they had been using some of their code in more had been using Electroharmonics code. And it was so blatantly ripped. It included the statement in the code that said, do not copy this and do not use this. <laughs> So, because it was so blatant, Electroharmonics was actually able to win uh, in court in China. And an American company winning anything in China is, I mean, they didn't get that much out of it. But the fact that they won. Right, right. Was. It, it was close. It was like 90 grand or something like that. Right. Which, which I'm sure 
it costs EHX. Uh, yeah, right. That, that takes care of the lawyers. That maybe. much to do it. <laughs> but the point is, is at least they got them to stop. Absolutely. That's almost impossible. A lot of they people don't know. It's, it's almost impossible to get a Chinese company to stop doing anything. Yeah. And I'm sure you're painfully aware of something yeah. like that. <laughs> Especially, well, I'm sure Celestian had it as all kinds of things like that happen, right? Well, you know, I've uh, people would email us asking for replacement labels because a label fell off their speaker or whatever, and they were very apprehensive about sending labels out because there were there was counterfeit product out there. I never saw it. I never came across. It. I saw a couple pictures here and there. It's not as mm-hmm. widespread as you know as electronics are. But yeah, there is some floating around. Interesting. It's 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 a it's a weird um, it's a weird thing because you you know you and I both know like the gear industry is wonderful, but one thing that it isn't is uh for the most part you know there's a few exceptions, but for the most part the one thing that it isn't is just like a crazy money making operation. Right. So for somebody to go through the effort of uh of cloning stuff, yeah, to sell a cheaper version of something that already kind of not struggles to make money, but doesn't have a lot of margin in it. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of, it's a weird <laughs> thought process to me. And then when you go down to the basement in Nam and you see 37 Chinese companies, uh, that are all selling the exact same pedal exactly, with, yeah. with different, slightly, slightly different graphics on, on it. Yeah. Right. Um, all next to each other and nobody's there. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what are is this really worth the effort? This yeah, is a lot where is of effort. That stuff going? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's really weird to me. I mean, it has to be going somewhere or they wouldn't be doing right, it. Right, right. But it's just not really in the U.S., yeah. you know? It's so hard to see. Right. Yeah. But I, I always see those guys uh, down there and I, I almost feel bad a little bit for them because I know they're probably just some poor employee and they just have to sit there by themselves. Right. For the- <laughs> 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 like... You know, they're just probably like, this is miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's coming over. But, um, but yeah, anyway, that's kind of a random aside, I suppose. <laughs> How did we even get there? I'm not sure. Down the rabbit hole. like Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what are you listening to these days? Uh, I just down I just downloaded the new Rival Sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, really digging that record. Um the new on earth is, is pretty dude, cool. Dude, I've been jamming that one. Yeah, right. That's great. That's, that was a nice welcome addition. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back into Ghostface Killer. Nice. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you? You know, Wu Tang's for the children. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that new Rival Sons has been that's been on heavy rotation lately. Nice. And I went back to the first down record too. Oh, um, there you go. Really digging that one. Nice. You tend to go for heavier stuff most of the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your all times? Um, um sugar. Mm-hmm. They were they were a big influence. Um, Carcass, Heartwork. Mm-hmm. That record was a big one for me. Um, uh, let's see, when I was in high school, Sepultura, Chaos AD. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. Just. Yeah, Bonkers, just it's insane. so insane. Yeah, I can't wrap my mind around how like I'm not very good, so there's that. But like I can't wrap <laughs> my mind around how do you like how do they come up with that? How do they? Like, yeah, Ugh, it's, I, I have no idea. There was a quote. Um, ben Wyman was interviewed uh, years ago, um, and I think I think you know 
interviewer was asking me, where do you come up with these compositions and how do you, how do you try to play them note for note live and remember all that, you know, musical information? Yeah, it, totally. Know? And, and, you know, where does that come from? And uh, I think he said something like Paige Hamilton from Helmet, who's mm -hmm. also a very accomplished jazz musician as well. He's a very, very educated. Said something to Ben like, do your best to learn as much, you know, theory and learn, learn, educate yourself on the electric guitar as possible and then forget all of it and just play. And Interesting. Something, the, the, vice, the, the quote was something like that. And I've heard that from, from other people. I had, I had a couple of friends that went to, to Berkeley and they said, look, I, I love the education. I'm really glad that I, that I invested myself this much into this instrument. But it does change. It does change your 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 approach. Mm -hmm. You have all of this information on on how to play it properly. You all of a sudden start. You you can fall into pitfalls where you're 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 picking up the instrument and kind of without even realizing it, you're playing within boundaries. And right. That's not what art is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. and it's like it's it's just you you have to kind of take all the training that you have and then kind of force yourself to use it to go outside of the boundaries. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, it, it, we, we, I have to remind myself that as educated I am, as I am with the guitar, that this is art and there are no rules. I don't have to play this way because this is how I was taught. Yeah. It, it's, and it was like, it was really interesting to hear and it makes perfect sense. You know, it does make a lot of sense. And, uh, I was, Further justify me buying fuzz pedals instead of You're learning, right. uh, you know, I'm going to go with that. That's the excuse I'm going to use. Um, no, I I, uh, I am a lot better than I, I was, um, for sure. You know, even when I really started first getting into the gear scene and everything, I, I'm definitely a lot better player than I was mm -hmm. at the time. But I'm still I, I'm still not very good, and I, I have... Uh, I have this weird hesitation with wanting to to pursue a like a, a little bit of higher learning, mm, uh, sure. kind of for that reason. And I've said that before, and it sounds like an excuse. I've said it on the podcast, <laughs> but but honestly, like I I'm like I do like I do I'm not I know I'm not very good at it, but I do like how I play. I like I get enjoyment out of it. Uh, I mean, and that's the and, point. And right. so, so sometimes it's like I should get better, but then sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, I do have a lot of fun. And so, exactly, and that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah. So it's like I'm not miserable because I can't shred like Steve Vai. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still, you know, tastes change, and your your ear matures. You you mature as a player. Um, stuff that I I liked when I was a kid with you know a thousand notes in a song. I hear it now. I'm still impressed by it, but as opposed to listening it, listening to it for you know an album or two, I listen to it for a few minutes here and there. Mm -hmm. It's you know it, it's just not the same as, or I don't I don't get the same enjoyment out of it as I do you know, a well written song with great grooves and melodies and mm -hmm. harmonies. You right, know, it's, it's just not the same anymore. And and you you know you people people change, people evolve. So yeah, for sure. And I and I you know I definitely did like back in, you know the early 2000s i was like if it's not super heavy and no, and there's nobody screaming it's for like losers and i'm not gonna listen to it <laughs> and and even though i was like brought up on like outlaw country and stuff and okay. i and i i i never ever didn't like that but like sure. 
as a teenager, I was like, Rah! like I'm like I'm this aggressive person. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the exception yeah. with with really uh, uh, instrumental players. You know, guys like Brent Mason, Daniel Donato, mm-hmm. Red Volker. That kind of that kind of shred, I can still just sit there and be like, oh my god, it's oh totally absurd. But that's like that's different. That's like a uh, how do you explain it? I mean, it's. It's like tasteful shredding. It is, it, you know, absolutely. But just the, that approach, just I mean, that Daniel Donato kid is just bonkers. I was just emailing just, him today. He's, he's absurd. He's just ridiculous <laughs> amount of talent. It's yeah, he, great. Yeah, we were. I, I we he's supposed to come on the podcast uh, uh, several months ago, and it just kind of got lost in the mix. And so uh, I, I we got the I got the thread going back again after Nam, and he just emailed me back today. He's like, "Yeah, we got to do it." So he's coming yeah. on. That's gonna oh, be awesome. Really fun. Yeah, I watched him play at the Fender booth. Him and uh, him and Ariel Posen, who was also just uh, on okay. recently, they were playing together at the Fender booth for a little bit, and and I was just like, "Jeez, I give up." Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> was it Third and Lindsley? Yeah, at, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Third and Lindsley. Um, years ago at a little Walter Tubamps party, and it's just. I mean, I, I I saw you know clips and videos of him prior to that, but to see him live, it's just. Just a phenomenal talent. And how old is he? Was he twenty five or something like that? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think he started playing. Uh, I I could be making this up, but what I was told is he started playing like on Broadway in Nashville when he was like, it's like nineteen or something. Like yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew he was. Yeah, wait, and he, the typical uh, typical good start with what Robert's Western world. Yeah, Robert. If you start playing with mm-hmm. playing at that place, you're gonna. You're gonna go. Somewhere. You're going somewhere, yeah. Yeah, so. that that place is one of the last legit spots on on Broadway now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad, honestly. I I don't know how much t- how much romanticizing you have of Nashville or if you've been there I've much. I've only been really for Summernam and a few customer visits outside of Summernam. So I've mm-hmm. done I don't know if I've done Winternam about fourteen times, maybe Summernam about ten, mm-hmm. twelve, something like that. But yeah, even just going, if you see how it's physically changed and then also the people going there. It's, yeah. It's definitely, you know, much more, com- it's like their Times Square. It's m- very commercial, very touristy. Yeah. And I guess to a certain degree it always has been, but it's, it's you know, since Nashville's been so popular the past 10 years, it's really. It's, 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 really it's like, we like, it was even weird because I've been there several times and um, you've been there more than I have actually, but I, I have this weird connection to Nashville. Uh, I just really like it. Oh, sure. I think it's the only other place in the world I could live other than Portland. Okay, it would be Nashville. Um, it just there's a lot of similarities. Um, now there's, oh, there were some restaurants yeah. I was sitting in, and they were like, "This feels like a hipster Port- Portland yeah, place," like sure. you know. Sure. Um, but I I just really like that town, and uh, to see Broadway change the way it has, and maybe I'm being an old fuddy duddy, <laughs> but I'm like, man. I don't want to go to Blake Shelton's place. I want to go, you know, yeah, like, right, right. I want to go to the legit places like, right. and, and they're, they're sadly like Roberts is one of the last ones. Um, yeah, there are a lot of those Roberts, places. Tootsies. Tootsies. Um, what else? Half I mean, of the them stage are, is that they always get, have some good talent at the stage. I of course. That place is, but yeah, that place is pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I saw there were, there were a couple, um, country star, uh, establishments Quote, down unquote, there. Country yeah. Stars. <laughs> There, there was some started. of that down there, right? Yeah, <laughs> that drives me insane. Um, 
Yeah, the, I, I mean, me and my wife were down there, and and she was like, is that what I think it is? I can't remember which one. Oh, it was the Florida Georgia Line bar. I was like, yeah, we're not going in there. <laughs> not going in there. That's not a place yeah. for me at all. Right, I, my, right. my jeans are not bedazzled enough for yeah. that bar. <laughs> like, I'm sure you have an affliction shirt. Stop lying, Blake. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do not have an affliction shirt. No. We'll get you one. We'll get Tap out, though. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, tap out shirt somewhere. <coughs> really small, really yeah, small. Yeah, really out. small. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's weird how it's changed. But what is interesting is like it's kind of pushed some of the stuff, some of the you know really interesting musical stuff a little bit off off Broadway. And you know, there's some stuff in East Nashville and like Third and Lindsley's a great spot. It's not yeah. on Broadway, but sure. it's you know close. In there's still some really good spots. The Ryman is like the coolest venue to me. Right. I mean, it's it's I, I just sounds so good in there. I, right, I, right. It's ridiculous how good it sounds in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't think we were going to talk about Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to get back down. I ironically have not been to Summer Nam. I've been. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only been to Nashville right around Summer Nam. Oh, okay. Like I. I I went there for a vacation with my parents, um, and we this was the time that we could get off, and it was just just after Summer Nam or just before. Uh, and then I had to go down to help a buddy out, and the time that he needed me was just just after Summer Nam. So I was like, okay. I couldn't afford to, to go for three weeks to cover them both, you know? Sure. Um, so one of these days, I think this is the year I'll probably get to Summer Nam, but we'll we'll see how it yeah, goes. Yeah, it's a good hang. It's a different energy. It's um. You know, it's much smaller, um, a bit more personable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 um, not as loud. Not as loud. <laughs> and the food's better. <laughs> well, yeah, the food's way better. Like that's uh, you know, Anaheim's great for a lot of things, but yeah, well, <laughs> the, the food's rough, man. It can be a little rough. It's, I mean, there's some good spots. We went to. Um, we went. We the, this just opened up, but this we went to the Ballast Point Brewing in downtown Disney. That was really tasty. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know you did that. But cha-ching! Like you're yeah. paying that Disney tax. Right, so it was like ten bucks a beer. I was more than that. Way more was than that. Really? Yeah, I think for a, for a pint, sixteen, sixteen ounces. Well, they had you know Ballast Point does a lot of special stuff. Yeah, and so it was like, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think one the one we really wanted was like fourteen dollars for a pint. <sighs> And it wasn't even like the super barrel aged. It was like, it was a, like a Sculpin IPA. It was like an uh, that one was a little cheaper. That was around ten bucks, I think, which is ridiculous. <laughs> deal, so such a deal. <laughs> yeah. you can, I can go to, over to the local plaid pantry and pick up Sculpin for yeah, right exactly twelve uh, twelve bucks for a six pack. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but the the food was really good. It was, I mean, I, we paid for it, but man, yeah. it was actually the restaurants are on Disney are. are pretty ridiculous there's there's some really good restaurants yeah there's also some stinker ones i went to one and paid 18 dollars for a a quesadilla it was ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) that's on you blake paid 18 dollars for a quesadilla well it was like everything on it (laughs) yeah no right like tortilla joe's just isn't uh isn't isn't a legit operation i'm sorry it was fine turkey leg always go for the turkey leg (laughs) the turkey legs are good (laughs) some people think it's ham they like it's think it's not really. A turkey. Oh right! I did some research into this. It's because they cure it. Okay. I, they cure the the turkey leg in a special brine and then they smoke it. Ah, 
okay. that's why it kind of tastes like ham. <laughs> Those are so good. Yeah. <laughs> Take a nice nap afterwards. Mm-hmm. Trip the fan people. Yeah, yeah. Look, look it up. <laughs> but yeah, the Nashville, the food is a lot better in Nashville. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's and, and it, it, it's not more concentrated, but, you know, you don't have to walk, you know, all over the, all over the, you know, like the Anaheim Convention oh, Center yeah. and, and, you know, everyone's pretty accessible there and there's a lot of engagement and yeah, it's, it's a good hang. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll, I'm really hoping I can get there this year. It, it should happen. I don't see anything getting currently. in the way. Yeah. yeah. We should be okay. It's only a few months away. I know. Be here before you know. I know. I, I know. Believe it's 2019. Yeah, we're sitting here. We're already a month into 2019. That's it's crazy. February. And uh, got our first snowfall in Portland. Yes, we did. <laughs> More on the way this weekend. That's what I hear. So, not really looking forward to that, but no. that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, um, you have you have some other stuff coming out. We talked about WGS, but uh, right. Why so, don't we get into the the other stuff? So, when I was hired, um, you know, they they WGS did a great job of of putting themselves on the map as 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 a speaker supplier. They have. The American Vintage and the British Invasion, two families of products. Um, I believe thirty-two uh, product SKUs now, um, but they're looking to they're looking to go further. And when I was hired, I proposed that that we do something new. We don't, you know, and and, and the, the American Vintage stuff, most all pretty much all that is, they are original um, designs. Um, and and you know the British invasion obviously are you know more cost effective uh, versions of you know Celestians all you know, built by hand in, in Kentucky, um, but you know I propose we we come out with with, with something new a, a whole new concept a whole new family of products that don't reference anything past or current from any competitor or anything we've done we just we we respond to. The trends in in the market, we respond to the way you know music has changed and how gear has influenced uh, those changes and mm-hmm. influences us as players and and what we want to see, what we think um, there are, what what holes we think are are in the market that need to be filled. So, um, the brand name I came up with is called Empyrean, and the the name is derived from a mathematical uh, calculation called an Empyrean loop. An Empyrean loop is used to determine uh, the amount of energy being produced on a section of a solenoid, or a, which is also a voice coil. Okay, right? gotcha. so how that's relevant to to you know a speaker um, is you know regardless uh, you know something it doesn't matter how good your guitar ramp is or the effects or if you're having a bad day whatever it is that speaker <laughs> is the an accurate measure of the creative energy that's being put into it right it's undeniable and it's a very important part of the chain and you know there's a lot of guys changing pickups and other things and um as much uh, upgrading with, with upgrading our, our our rigs that we're doing there's still a lot of guys that aren't doing the speakers and it's such a such an important part of 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 your rig so our our goal here was to you know and, and, it, and it's been the same goal it, it's to come exceed the, the the buyer's expectations and and give them you know more value than they're paying for and and consistently uh, provide products that are rewarding to play and and inspire you so that's that's really what what the whole uh, goal with with Empyrean loudspeakers is it's just to 
know, it's a family-owned American company. Everything is built entirely by hand in Kentucky, WGS, Empyrean. There's no factory automation. And we want to, you know, we, we want to be a part of, 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 you know, everyone's musical endeavors. And, and you know, we want to be, you know, the you know, a trusted brand that people rely on. So we're absolutely growing and evolving with the industry. And, and we hope uh, people respond accordingly. Cool. Cool. So tell me about the uh, the Empyrean products, the first ones you're doing and and what kind of, you know, you've obviously had some input into it. So Sure. So, you know, it's nice to have variety for, you know, a bunch of, of different players. Everybody has different amps, guitars and a different sound in their head. But I wanted to come out with a more focused um family of products so to date there's there's six models total there will be we will be adding some tens all of them are 12s we will be adding some tens shortly um and it's pretty much two two voicing so you have the traditional lead spec 75 hertz that's the uh the noble 65 al nico and then there's the the revolution m and h the revolution 60 is the m the Mm -hmm. revolution 65 is the h mag um and the Lower resonance. There's a 55 hertz family of products. The the Explorer, uh, Explorer 60, Explorer 65, and the Alnico in that family is the VSOP, um, which is it's not it's higher than 55 hertz. It's like a 64 hertz Kurt Mueller cone that we're using okay. in there. Um, but these speakers are what, what what they need to be: incredibly versatile responsive full voicings and and they give you what what you put into them they they absolutely complement a variety of of circuits and playing styles and uh the price points were not ex- as expensive as celestian we're a little bit we're right around where where eminence is a little bit more mm-hmm. in some in some cases but um we want to position ourselves in the market where this is a this is a higher end product. The voicings are absolutely different from anything you've ex- you've seen or heard from WGS in the past, and we absolutely compete with the market leaders with with, with this, uh, this grouping of a product. That's very cool. Yeah, it's nice to kind of see like you know it's a in the guitar industry in general, uh, and I think it's actually changing a lot right now. Um, but as a whole, is very backwards looking. And traditionally has been, and yeah. I understand why because there was some amazing products back then, and amazing, right. you know, players that made great sounds with them, and right. so we all drool over sixty-five strats. Like, right. how could you not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like at the same time, I I do like that, especially you know, in the effects and and some of the other you know things are, um, they are pushing things forward into yeah. like. You know, I, I, you know, what I, when I'm talking to some of these pedal companies in particular, I'm, I, I tell them, um, when we're trying to come up with something new, I'm like, okay, you need to make something that cannot be reproduced in a helix. Yeah. Right. And, the, and it's like, oh, like, because like, otherwise there's no reason for you to, you know, continue sure. to exist, honestly, because right. those, those platforms, I don't really care for them. I'm not super, I mean, I should say, I don't get super excited about the multi effects. They don't they don't get my heart pumping. Yeah, no, exactly. But I do understand their usefulness. Sure. So I think, yeah, we need to be able to do things that they can't do. And so it's nice to see like something as traditional as a speaker company being approached with sort of that same mindset. I think that's that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I th- you know I think there's you know when I was at Selection, I had you know over sixty accounts, and I'm still in touch with you know just about all of them. And 
some of them have, you know, inspired me to kind of implement certain things with these, with these drivers and, you know, Oh, awkward pause. <laughs> I, I could see it. It was on the tip of his tongue. He wanted to get it out and then like had maybe thought better of it. I don't know what it, where he was going with it. There's, you know, like everybody has their, their own sound in their head and tone is subjective. Mm-hmm. So versatility is key with a component like this. Being, yeah. Having this, this component. Being able to pair well with, you know, KT eighty eight, DL eighty fours, what you know, whatever, whatever circuit it's being it's being paired with, you know, cabinet combinations and you know, six, seven, eight string guitar. It's key that these these speakers are are flattering and and pair well with with you know the rapidly changing genres and and instruments that are that are out there. You know, right. I have a lot of friends that. You know, they're even though they're they're into metal, they'll have a really nice classical nylon string, and they'll have a telly, and they're playing all these different styles. It's you know, the one trick pony musician. That's you don't really see that. People are so much more open minded these days. Well, it's boring. And, yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> right, right. And it's it's really it's it's we all benefit from that. We benefit from the music they create, and we benefit from the guys that are. That are at the soldering station making making gear for us. It, mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's a win. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, it's great having you on. We've uh we've we've gotten to that that hour mark, and I still have yet to ask like the most important question. <laughs> so, Briefs. you know, this may like I I've said before may make or break the company. So be careful with how you answer. <laughs> okay. It. No awesome. pressure. No pressure. Awesome. What kind of pizza do you like? So okay, uh, my, so my boss is on—he's on the dark side of that question. Oh no, he is. He's—he likes the pineapple oh, on the pizza. He does. Oh, that. David. Yeah. Oh, David. I'm Oof. so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, All right. Well, you know, he, no one's perfect. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we, we agree on many things, but that, that, that's one thing we don't agree on. Yeah. yeah. So you're not a pineapple fan. I'm not a pineapple fan. So locally, I think I've seen you post about flying pie. Flying pie is not bad. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's, it's a heavy slice. I have one slice and I need to, I need to lay down it's for a, a while. They, they put a lot into it. I, it's no I joke. like a lot of things about it. I also don't like a lot of things about it. Right. So right. it's, it's solid, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Hogan's Goat. Hogan's? Hogan's Goat? I haven't had that. Oh, you have to have Hogan's Goat. Okay. Phenomenal. Where's that? Oh, it's by, is it off Sandy? I think it's right off Sandy near uh, uh, Cabezon. Okay. Another restaurant, which is really good, but um, Hogan's Goat, excellent. Okay. I've Uh, never heard of that one. Yeah, you have to get down there. It is phenomenal. Let's see. Done. Okay, Um, will do. Well, here's one some that I have. What's what's that like for the listeners? Because you know we're turning this into a Portland podcast. It's so so. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New York. So that is it has that that authentic New York mm. New York thing. Okay, you know, and it's it the the, the, the service there is great. The guys there are great. Uh, good tap list. You know, it's excellent. Okay, absolutely New York style. So that we're we are one. <laughs> 
we're, we're together. But you know, this. I was really surprised at how much good pizza was in Portland. I mean, it's not like there's just one or two places. There's a lot of good pizza in Portland. There, there is. Um, did you see that article floating around where uh, it was a, a? I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a he's a pizza consultant, and I follow him on Instagram. Uh, he no. said he said in his opinion that Portland, and I disagreed with him at first, um, and I still I still do because New York. Let's let's be real, New York pizza. It's, it's they so got good. it right, you know. It, I hate to say it, Jersey too. I moved, when I was in Jersey for mm-hmm. five years, they also had excellent pizza. Yeah, so I'm I'm all about those East Coast pizza. I mean, I also like wood fired like Italian style. Pizzas yeah, too. made a little char on it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, but like, I really like the East Coast style pizzas, and I I did a little exploration a few weeks ago with my buddy Jess, and we found uh, we found checkerboard pizza. You had checkerboard? No. It's in that, it's part of Ken's artisan, you know, uh, family. Okay. Yeah. But checkerboard is more like New York style. Okay. And it's in that Pine Street market. All you, all, all you all you Portlanders are just loving this right now. And everyone <laughs> else is like, this is so boring. <laughs> but uh, checkerboard pizza was, we went to, so we went to Escape from New York. I don't know if you've been there. Is that on Belmont? That and no, is that, that is one? that's not in like Northwest, off of like Twenty Third. Okay. And and so that one was was solid. We went to Checkerboard. That was mind blown. Really? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. And do you like Ken's? I, I like Ken's too. Okay. Uh, it's this, Ken's is different though. Um, it's different. It but this is Checkerboard is is more his East Coast thing and just so good. Like okay, thinner crust. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then we went to my other favorite one, which is Scotty's off of Division. I've and been to Scotty's twice. It's not bad. But I like Scotty's. Everybody always talked it up to me, and I just don't see it. Oh, it's- man, I love Scotty's. <laughs> Checkerboard. So, so Checkerboard's got better flavor. Mm. Scotty's has the correct, um, this is the nerdiest thing, but I really do think about pizza this deep. Like, Scotty's has the right amount of 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 dip. You know how you fold the pizza, yeah, and and tip it kind of and it kind of the tip kind of goes down, down a bit, yeah. and you can just eat it. Sure. So checkerboards, the whole thing kind of drips, but uh, the okay. but the overall flavor sure. is better. Okay. Um, but Scotty's has the correct form factor, right? Okay. If that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check it because even yeah. the guy uh, at Hogan's Go asked mm-hmm. me if I like Scotty's. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh. Uh, but he was a big. He was telling me about Handsome Pizza, which I haven't. There's there's, heard, a, there's a few I, that I really want to check. Handsome, uh, yeah. Uh, pizza Jerk and Lovelies, which Lovelies is definitely a frou frou shishi pizza. But that's okay. We, uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. We deserve nice things every once in a while. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm with you on all that. I I did have Pizza Jerk back in the day before it caught on fire and closed. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. And okay. then I had a weird. I I wasn't thinking. I had a weird pie. It was great. It yeah. was delicious, but it wasn't. A good example of okay. I had a I had a their clam pizza. Oh really? Yeah, they had a, a white, white sauce. They had a white sauce yeah. clam pizza, and it was delicious. It was kind of like eating clam chowder. Yeah, like, right. Uh, I'm a big seafood guy too, sure. so. But it wasn't a good barometer for how good their pizza was. Right. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I've heard it's awesome. So yeah. There you go, everyone. You just got our list of Portland <laughs> pizza places. That well, are pizza good. shells. I mean, overrated. I overrated. agree. Definitely I agree. Overrated. I like it. 
I like it, but the crust, the crust is like three inches wide, which takes up a lot of edible pizza real estate. Yeah, it's... You're it, getting a bit bamboozled by the shishi hipster <laughs> pizza. That's not cool. Yeah. We got a place here in town in Oregon City, uh, Mi Familia, which okay. uh, is on Main Street. I think it's it's different, mm. but it's kind of in that, yeah. in that ballpark. Uh, uh, way easier to get into, obviously. Right. And... Like so good, like, and it's it's if you want frou frou pizza, it's a good place to go. Have like, you had Baby Doll? I've not had Baby Doll yet. Baby Doll is excellent. Okay, and they just they took over. There was a bar next door called Bonfire. Mm-hmm. They took over that space, so they got more space. Space, yeah. And one half is like a bar where there's no minors. Mm-hmm. They'll bring you the the pizza's excellent. Um, Atlas on the Vision is pretty solid too. Yeah, Atlas isn't bad. It's yeah. See. Port- a lot of good pizza. Out he there, said man. he said Portland was America's best pizza city, and while I don't know if that's one hundred percent accurate, we do it's got a, top three. I think we got a solid. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, they're doing they're doing our taste bud. Taste um, buds, yeah. What is it? Multnomah Village? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Multnomah Village. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. Well, there you go, everyone. You just got <laughs> vomited. Right, I'm I there go you. That's, that's all you. That's all you listen to this podcast for, anyway, right? <laughs> All right, thanks for having me on, Blake. I yeah. really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, John. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, if uh, you know any, anybody's got any questions, I can be reached at john at wgsusa.com. Feel free to email me, and I'll, uh, I'll uh, respond the best I can. All right, sounds good. All right, for John, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. I had a great time talking to John, and hopefully we can we can do it again sometime. And if you enjoyed that conversation as much as I do, you can get more. We talked more, yes, on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash tonemob for as little as $5 a month, you get extra Tone Mob episodes every week. That's right, more. More of this that you just listened to. And you must enjoy it, because you listened to the whole thing. And if you didn't enjoy it, I don't know why you're still listening, because that sounds miserable. I would never do that to myself. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah, patreon.com slash tonemob. You can look at the different levels, see if anything works for you. And at the $5 level is where you start getting extra content, extra this in your ears. So thank you very much for all of you listening, everyone tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you could just help me out and tell a friend about this this show. If you could just tell one friend, um, that would be awesome. I know that it's uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and there's a lot of things competing for your time and your ears, and I really, really appreciate that you took the time to listen to this one. So until next week, um, yeah, I think that's all I got for you. So take care. I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, 
So why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.